Event codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 333 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, and your weekly report on all things Star Trek, recorded live on Thursday, August 31st, 2017, and available for download or streaming on Monday, September 4th, at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Kenna. I'm Tony. And in our audio booth is our audio engineer, Winters. Hey, everyone. Now, before we get started on this week's recap, we have an important update for you. That's right. Over the next few weeks, we will be moving the show to a new server to manage security and traffic loads. So if Monday comes along and you notice that there isn't an episode of Priority One in your podcast catcher, then you want to make sure that it's pointed to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. Again, that's feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. And do make sure that it's one the word. Now, this is definitely happening with episode 335. Now, those of you subscribed via iTunes, the iOS podcast app, or Google shouldn't really miss a beat. All right, Tony, why don't you tell us what we've got coming up this week? This week, we find out what it takes to be 1701D's IT officer. Game of Thrones almost had a Star Trek connection, and we dissect the latest issue of Variety that had a wonderful article covering Star Trek Discovery. In STO News, we've got an interview with character artist Ian Castaneda and Jorge Castillo to talk about bringing Jordy into the game. And as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. And those hailing frequencies are what keep us going from week to week, because we love to hear from you, Captains. So please, reach out to us via Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast. You'll also find us on Twitter at Priority One Pod, or shoot us an email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons, our wonderful, wonderful patrons. Thanks to your generous pledges, we are able to bring the show to you week after week. And to say thank you, we've got some new stuff coming for you soon. This week as well, our $10 patrons got early access to the raw, unedited interview from the Cryptic Devs. To find out more and add your support, just go to patreon.com forward slash priority one. Now let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. If you're on Facebook, then your feed has likely been filled with people's reactions to the HBO series Game of Thrones, based off George R.R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire book saga. Now Game of Thrones is the epitome of what serialized television has become, and you're in the minority if you don't like the show or you haven't seen... I'm in the minority. Anywho, Star Trek always seems to have a link to some of the most impactful things in our history. The naming of the Space Shuttle Enterprise, George Lucas and Star Wars, iPads, well... There could have been one other connection. You see, Martin had interviewed to write for TNG. At the time, he had several Hugo Awards already and had just come off writing for The Twilight Zone. But an unnamed producer seemed to have a different vision for Star Trek. Martin tells the story to a crowd at a University of California San Diego workshop. 
And he said, uh, oh, really? Well, you know, um, Star Trek is, is not a science fiction show. It's, it's a people show. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, oh, a, a people show. I was fooled by the photon torpedoes and the starship. <laughs> <laughs> I was misled. So needless to say, I didn't get that job after, you know, making shameless fun of this idiot. Uh, <laughs> For the full workshop, check out the links in the show notes. And for a guess at who might be this unnamed producer, visit the original article over at trekmovie.com. So um, I think there should be a seven degrees to Star Trek at this point, right? Like, oh, yeah, easily. Star Trek has had an, an influence or impact on just about everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah. Almost as important as Kevin Bacon. Yeah, it's six degrees, by the way. Too. Well, we're giving Star Trek that extra bump because, I mean, Kevin Bacon. I mean, come on. I mean, Star Trek is a worldwide phenomenon that's 50 years old. Yes. I don't think Star Trek would even need six. I think it'd be like a two degrees of Star Trek. You're Anybody true. who's ever been in anything in Hollywood is probably only one step away from Star Trek. You think you think Star Trek is gonna be is gonna out bacon bacon? You do not want to have this fight with me. You do not want to have this fight with me. <laughs> For those of you that have worked technical support, you know that it requires the patience of Deanna Troy, the diplomacy of Jean Luc Picard, and the problem solving skills of Google. I mean, Jordy, uh, Jordy LaForge. YouTube creator, the bitter IT guy, posted a, quite a funny parody sketch of what it would be like as an IT support person aboard the Enterprise D. The video has the typical IT parody tropes, but the last 30 seconds of this video are totally worth it. It's two minutes, two and a half minutes long. It's not long at all, but the last 30 seconds are hilarious. He ties in a classic TNG episode really well. And it definitely made me laugh out loud. It was it was totally worth it. And especially that tech support is my day job. So it, it, it especially tug in my heartstrings. I know. It was hilarious. It was really good. It was really uh, simple and effective. Yes. And, uh, yes. yeah, even, I'm not even in IT, and yet, yes. I haven't seen this yet, but I'm definitely going to check it out. I saw it. It was sort of funny. In their August 29th issue, Variety digs deep into Star Trek Discovery and, in a separate online article, tells a story about the inception of the new series. Much of the article, with a link in our show notes, are things that we already know about the show. But a few things on the timeline of its production have been revealed. For example, Sonequa Martin-Green was approached by Brian Fuller during 2016's New York Comic Con, according to Variety. At that point, Martin Green was still involved in The Walking Dead and had to submit a video audition. With that conflict in mind, CBS continued to look for other actors. Now, the article gets a little gossipy with respect to Fuller's departure, reporting that despite the PR friendliness from both sides, Fuller was pushed out by CBS over his tendencies to ignore deadlines and budgets for the sake of story and creativity. Now, just a friendly reminder, Brian Fuller has had a bit of a cult following after showrunning shows like Hannibal, and for Trekkies, his contributions on DS9 and Voyager. What was also interesting to note in the article was the description of how detailed the sets were, reporting that the set for the Klingon ship cost $3 million. Variety senior TV reporter Daniel Holloway writes, quote, The level of detail on the sets is exacting, to the point that visitors so inclined could convince themselves at times that they were not on a set. That exactitude proved more time-consuming than anticipated, end quote. Speaking of money, Holloway goes on to report that each episode of Discovery averaged a cost of eight to eight and a half million dollars each. And with CBS All Access reporting fewer than two million viewers, Maybe Les Moonves' math does, in fact, add up. 
Uh, now, Tony, I'm going to interrupt you here for just a second because that two million viewers figure sounds awfully familiar. I would just like to point out. Who said that? That's right, Kenna. Didn't you mention I that did. several episodes ago yes. when we first reviewed this analysis about you know the, the monies between CBS All Access and the viewership? Yeah, because it was that whole thing about um, th- they were aiming for 4 million viewers total on CBS All Access by 2020, yep. which means that it, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, they're not going to get to 4 million right now. But they're probably only going to get to two million max, and then you know you don't even know if a, if a if a large percentage of those viewers are going to be watching Star Trek Discovery. Well, they mentioned the four million by twenty twenty goal again in this article, so they sort of they're repeating themselves by that. And they also mentioned they did. They also mentioned that we are unlikely to see anything re- approaching solid numbers any time. Because they're under no obligation to disclose it. Now, I, I want to quote Variety here. Uh, they've said, quote, Moonves has set a goal of 4 million subscribers for All Access by 2020. Last month, he announced that All Access and Showtime's direct-to-consumer product had combined reached that target. CBS would not specify the number of subscribers for each, but Showtime is believed to be the more popular. End quote. Now, so they have reached a 4 million subscribers, but that includes Showtime. So, and then, and then of course, they're not going to say how many there are. I also think there's going to be a huge rush of people that literally subscribe to CBS All Access on the 24th of September. There's going to be a huge rush. Please use Priority One Podcast affiliate links at PriorityOnePodcast.com. But it's worth expanding on the whole terrestrial premiere concept that they're doing, not on CBS All Access. According to the Variety article, it will premiere on the broadcast station's CBS on September 24th after the NFL game. But the premiere is a two-parter, which means that the first part will, almost inevitably, be a cliffhanger with a resolution you can watch immediately afterwards by subscribing to CBS All Access. I also want to just read one other part, and this is a a commentary on the part of Variety. They've said, quote, For CBS, the question looming over Discovery is whether the decision to place one of the most expensive shows in TV history on a platform where it will be initially exposed to fewer than 2 million potential U.S. viewers is a good business move. Uh, And that is exactly the question that I have. It's extremely expensive. Oh, God. Eight and a half million dollars for each episode. Eight and a half million is... Yes, which is... $120 um, million for the season on the 15-episode season. Minimum. Right, and so that makes it one of the most expensive shows ever made. Now, throwing it on a pay-gated platform like CBS All Access is definitely a risk. Now, but let's remember is that Les Moonves has said time and again during these conferences and these public appearances that Star Trek has already been paid for. Through the Netflix deal, yeah, through, through existing the other CBS deals. All yes, Access, okay. that, CB, that, that Star Trek is already paid for. Now, whether or not we pick up on a second, third, fourth season, time will right. tell. Yeah. Which we'll get to in a bit of a second because, you know, when it comes to things like Netflix, CBS All Access, HBO Go, these companies are not beholden to Nielsen ratings. We don't get the same analytics that we do for broadcast television. Mm-hmm. So it's up to the company behind closed doors by suits and ties to ultimately decide the fate of something like Star Trek Discovery. So we won't know how many viewers Star Trek Discovery ever had. So now, while we're on the topic of, of numbers and how the success of the show is going to be measured, according to the article, Harbert says, quote, our metric right now 
is Les Moonves saying, quote, I've watched the first six episodes and I love them, end quote. That's the metric at the moment, end quote, by, by Harberts. So right now, you know, even, even the creators don't seem, you know, obviously they don't have any numbers because nobody's been watching it yet. And Les Moonves is the, the gatekeeper here and will decide whether or not they get a, a second or third season. Now, something is to be said that Harberts and Berg are already conceptualizing a second season, mm -hmm. right? We talked about that a few episodes ago, yep. that they're talking about take, taking the second season away from the Klingon War and into the aftermath, the repercussions of the Klingon War. So, you know, this, yes, there is, I, I think that it is, it's a bold move for them to debut a show that was so expensive to make and, and paywall that. It's, it's a risk we're just going to have to wait and see whether or not it pays off. Yeah. Now, interestingly enough, I wonder if it's here's here's what we'll really know, right? Because people are going to watch the terrestrial debut of CBS All Access mm -hmm. and there's going to be a cliffhanger. Like, yep. I, yes, like you said earlier, are people going to like cough up? Is, is this cliffhanger going to be so good that it's going to be like, oh, man, let me take out my credit card and pay up right now because I got to finish watching this episode of CBS All Access. Like, that's a that's a bold move. Wouldn't it be better to maybe. I don't know. Not do a, a like a dramatic cliffhanger. I really hope it's not a dramatic cliffhanger. Uh, no, I it's think I think the the number of people who will take that up is probably small, but it's right. better than zero. <laughs> it's it's a it's a positive number, and if you have the choice, right. you may as well because people who are already committed to all access makes no difference to them. People who aren't, if it converts one percent of the people who are on the fence, it's one percent. It's a, it's a non-zero number, so... And they'll have some idea of who's watching the NFL game. They'll get Nielsen ratings on that. They'll get overnights on that. And they'll be able to see how many people converted into... Watched, you know, led into Star Trek. And they'll get overnights on that. And then they'll have some idea of how many of those translated into an all-access subscription. So this is, a, this is an experiment. It's an experiment. And the most that we're going to find out about is... The Nielsen rating between the NFL game and then the premiere. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. what we'll be able to see. And that's it. Yep. What the conversion rate is after that, we won't know. So that's a, a good point uh, for us to ask a community question. If you were on the fence for CBS All Access, do you think that a cliffhanger would actually tip you over and get you to purchase it? You know what they don't mention in this very extensive article that, that does a really good job at telling the history of this production up until its premiere, they don't mention Meyer. Oh. Nicholas nope. Meyer. Where has he been and where is he in this process? <laughs> He's gone on to the con. He's gone on to the con. That is probably, mm. that's exactly right. Speaking of, like, historical documentation of the series, I really hope that they have a television historian, like, documenting the process of this, right? Like, I'm sure they're under NDA, but I really hope that they have somebody on hand to kind of taking note for for future generations that want to know about the history of Star Trek Discovery in the grand scheme of of the Star like Trek Like an mythos. unpublished 1500 entry Twitter thread. <laughs> I'm hoping. Yes. I'm hoping yes. that they'll just hit publish one day and just go and we, and we get it all. That's what I'm It'll thinking. be the next generation's chaos on the bridge. Pro yeah. Yeah. That's probably. Mm, yeah. One true. of these days. Can I can I mention one thing that they that they did talk about in this article? Yeah. Les Moonves' family jewels. Yes, but they need, he needs to stop saying family jewels. What he means is crown jewels. Crown, crown jewels. I know, but it's, 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 
It's catching because Variety themselves have said, quote, Gretchen J. Berg and Aaron Harberts are now the keepers of Moonvez's family jewels. Which is creepy <laughs> and disgusting. Which I, I hope, I hope to God they've put that in there ironically because... They had to have put it in there. It ironically. must be There's in there. There's no way ironically. to I, 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 Though metaphorically, it may be true because if this all-access thing does not work out, who is going to be to blame for that? That's true. It's not going to be Les Moonves. They may indeed, and Moonves may know it. He may say, my family jewels have been placed in the hands of these two young producers. I hope they don't do anything bad with them. Well, that wraps up Trek It Out for this week and all the news from the Star Trek multiverse. Now let's find out what happened this week in Star Trek Online News. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Well, Captains, welcome to STO News, where in a moment we've got an interview with Star Trek Online character artists Ian Castaneda and Jorge Castillo, talking about bringing Geordi into the game. So it turns out that Star Trek Online isn't all that Star Trek Online devs get up to. In a very special live stream last week, community manager Mike Fatum and several devs got together for a game of the tabletop RPG Star Trek Adventures, and they streamed it on Twitch as well. Staff game designer Jesse Heineck played the Game Master, and the crew of the Pathfinder was made up of several of the Cryptic development team. Now, the entire stream is archived on Star Trek Online's YouTube channel for your viewing pleasure. But do be warned, you'll want to clear a four-hour slot in your schedule for this one because it's a whopper. We'll be sure to leave a link in the show notes, of course, at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO333. For the record, four hours is an average sort of maybe slightly longer than average tabletop gaming session. So that's not out of out of whack for something like this. I did uh, watch. I didn't watch the full four hours. I'll admit. But you watched some of it. Yeah, I watched some of it and I skipped through a little bit. Uh, it's pretty in-depth, so uh, it's worth checking out if you're at all interested in tabletop games and or are a fan of Star Trek Online. As a matter of fact, we're thinking about uh, doing a tabletop gaming series where we all kind of just sit around and play this game uh, for our patrons. So uh, stay tuned for that. We're working the kinks on that and uh, might be something to look forward to. But that wraps up for this week in Star Trek Online News. But before we do, it's important to improve our gameplay each week with Winters' top tip. In an effort to lend a hand to new players or even surprise the most veteran captains in Star Trek Online, here's my weekly top tip. A couple of months ago, I talked to you about recruiting duty officers from Starfleet Academy. At the time, I directed you to the personnel officer beside Lieutenant Farah, who had a number of duty officer recruitment missions. Today, I want to talk to you about one of the missions that I have not yet covered. So when you get to Starfleet Academy, go to the personnel officer, as I've already stated, and interact with them. From there, you will want to select Submit Request for Personnel. This will open a list with General Recruitment, Tactical, Engineering, Science, Civilian, and finally, Request R&D Assistance. It is this mission that I want to talk to you about. When you select Request R&D Assistance, it will open up your duty officer window for you. You will see that the mission costs 1000 Alithium to run and it takes 48 hours to complete. If you run this mission, you will get a number of random R&D materials or components. There is also a chance of getting a common quality R&D specialist duty officer, which are needed to craft high-level items in the R&D system. 
This mission also has an extremely small chance of rewarding the Aegis staff, Gumari. I want to stress that again that it is an extremely small chance of getting this duty officer, but it is possible. I know one member of the Priority One Armada ran this project at every opportunity they could and it took them over 7 months before they got it. Others were able to get it within 6 or 8 weeks and some still have not been able to get it. For more information we will leave a link in the show notes at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO333. I have a question. Yes. The, the Aegis Doff is the one you have to have him in order to be able to craft the Aegis set. Is that yes. right? Yes. Okay. I think, we're, weren't we talking the other day about how the Aegis system is a little out of date? Isn't that something you kind of ran by Jeremy when in Vegas? Well, the Aegis set is it's still pretty good you know, f- for people starting off. You know, if, you, if you're looking for something just to get you through content, the Aegis set mm. will do that. The problem is maybe people who have just hit level 50 may not have the EC to purchase it. They most certainly don't have their R&D schools leveled up and they definitely don't have the the DOF to craft it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is one of those things where it's that that, that needs this needs to get a rework a little bit. That needs a pass. Mm. If they if they see where it's supposed to fit. Well, that's it for this week's Star Trek Online news. Now let's chat with character artists Ian Castaneda and Jorge Castillo about bringing Jordy into Stowe. Security clearance level 3 or above is required to access files. This is Captain Benjamin Sisko. Authorization Sisko Alpha 1 Alpha. Logs accessed. Captains, joining us this week on Priority One is Star Trek Online lead character artist Ian Castaneda. And new to the team, character artist Jorge Castillo. Gentlemen, senores, thank you for joining me on this episode of Priority One. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting us. So, Ian, uh, it's been almost three years now since since we last spoke when uh, when Cookie and Jace and I were there to talk about uh, the release of all the Voyager content and mm-hmm. you know bringing to life Harry Kim and, mm-hmm. and Jerry Taylor. T- tell tell us a little bit of what you've been working on at least this last year. Uh, let's see. So obviously we've um, for this last year the first thing that comes to mind among other things is the inclusion of capes because. There's been a long, uh, a lot of people have asked me for adding capes to, to Star Trek because obviously we've done Champions, and that has capes, and uh, you know our other game Neverwinter, also has capes in the form of cloaks. So we did that. We added capes through the Duelist armor, which is the PVP set that you can earn through our uh, arena system. And the inclusion of the capes, I um, specifically added the capes not only to the armor but to be also worn, you know, out with, with other pieces of costume besides that armor. So I, I, I really wanted to have that in there because I just felt there was a little something lacking in terms of, you know, what uh, pieces that you can um, put together with our system. And, and, and with Cryptic Games, you know, uh, one of our uh, pride and joys is trying to mix and match as many costume pieces as you can <laughs> right customization has been a, a pride and yeah. joy for you guys for so long uh since since well uh city of heroes to champions and, and now star trek online and of course neverwinter yeah mm-hmm. jorge you're new to the team uh tell us a little bit about your background and how you got involved with cryptic studios and star trek online well actually um i'm pretty brand brand new just in cryptis i am brand new in the game industry 
Um, I just have some few months here working with Cryptis. Um, I'm from Colombia, so um, actually my background is I'm a graphic designer. Um, I started loving art. I have the passion for video games. I play on PC and all, I have all the consoles. So I always have um, the preference to um, the, the dream to become part of the game industry. Nice. So uh, right now I, I live in the dream actually. Creative um, uh, Studio gave me this amazing, amazing opportunity. And I feel really, really lucky to, to be part of the Creative family. Well, congratulations. Yes. Congratulations to you, man. Thanks. Seriously. It, it, it's, it's wonderful when you get to do something that you love and you have passion for. Now, tell me, were you a Star Trek fan going into this? Is Star Trek big in, in Colombia? But, uh, uh, no, it's, it's, I, I don't know. It's, it's a big, uh, like, is this in the United States, you know? Right. Because, um, for example, uh, I, I get into the Star Trek universe with uh, the next generation, with the, the Picard and all the, 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 the episodes of the next generation. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if it was transmit the, the original series, right, mm -hmm. in, in, in Colombia. So um, I, I, I don't know if that uh, have a big fans, I guess, yes, right. in, there in the Latin part, right? Right, right. And yeah, I, you know, it's funny. When I was in Star Trek Las Vegas this last year, mm -hmm. um, a gentleman introduced himself to me, um, Sergio from Brazil. Uh, and he was a listener of the show and he, you know, he walked up to the table and he introduced himself. And, um, and it was, it was, it, it, it surprised me because, you know, it's, it's interesting that I, I don't know that Star Trek has, a strong presence in, in Latin American culture. I don't know if it's because it, it gets lost in translation. I know it's big in Germany. Germany has a really huge in Europe. Yep. Mm -hmm. But it, you know, it's interesting. You know, coming myself from from a Latin background, you know, my my family always kind of looked at Star Trek, going, "What? Gang? What, what is this? You know, <laughs> uh, You know, who's the dude with the ears? Kind of thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. So 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 it's interesting but yet there is a following and there is a passion for it all throughout the world yes. um so now that you're now that you're in it now that you're so involved <laughs> in it uh are you all caught up have you watched all the episodes well actually i, I try to get more into the into the series uh try to uh understand more the more the universe and get into the uh more 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 deeply into the different races and different mm -hmm. Um, environment that the, that the, this amazing universe offers, yes. and it's a delight. It's a delight because it's um, always an adventure, always an exploration. You know, so it's it get, get you your mind and um, and your uh, fantasies. You know, um, it's amazing. It's really, really, really good. Awesome, awesome. Well, congratulations. So, so gentlemen, a new featured episode mm. is just around the corner, featuring the next generation's Jordy LaForge. Oh yes, but, but he's older now. He's he's a little more yes. seasoned. Let, yep. let's, let's talk about that process behind taking. Uh, <clears throat> uh, we've talked about this a little bit, you know, back in mm -hmm. 2014. But let's remind our players what it's what what the process is like to take an actual live character, a real human being who we've mm -hmm. seen on screen mm -hmm. in canon, and digitizing them. Um, one of the one of the weird things is that we always want to portray our our actors in a good light. So 
we kind of uh, try and get them to give us, if not them, CBS to give us uh, reference material mm-hmm. of them without makeup, if that's possible. Ah, okay. Because the underlying, you know, bone structure is really what mm-hmm. is really important to us. Um, sometimes that is not possible, so we we end up either nine times out of ten, even though they do give us a lot of reference material, uh, we end up watching, you know, movies of them or episodes that they're in because the photos themselves they're good but you know you need that 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 other uh dimension of of how they act mm-hmm. and how they carry themselves to really uh give that that character life because my, my one example was when i did um martok mm-hmm. so i did martok recently and uh you know he's sort of a he's kind of like a uh, scary guy, right? Like right, in the episodes, yeah. yeah, he's a rough guy. Uh, there was a scene with him and uh, um, uh, on the on the deck of, of DS Nine, and he's being a little rowdy, and that's sort of his per- the perfect persona of of Martok. Mm-hmm. So if I gave him sort of let's say a not so menacing face, it kind of wouldn't you know fit his uh, character. Mm-hmm. So I gave his sort of what we call the de- default face, uh, more menacing looking. Uh, demeanor even though it's not you know it's not outright uh threatening but there's a little hint of don't mess with me right right, right. look in that in those eyes mm-hmm. so i tried to get that uh expression uh in in even his default face even though we do have uh animations that will you know make him angry or, or sad but 90 percent of the time i want him to look you know a little threatening <laughs> right yeah yeah so yeah. uh i think that's one of the hardest things to get, especially in a game situation where uh, a lot of the times the animations don't necessarily uh, address the, the actual emotion of the character. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe the animator is not concentrating on the on the face, maybe he's just, an, in one of his tasks, he's, he's doing some sort of like phaser attack or uh, melee attack or just plain running. Mm-hmm. We have to make sure that the, the demeanor of the character actually matches what, what people think of him as, right? right? So that that that's kind of one of the first things that I look for, or I judge uh, characters on that we get into the game. And and um, there are only so many polygons, right? Like they know yeah, that exactly. Kind of ex- that, yeah, that nuance expression. Exactly. Uh, I was I was gonna, about to touch on that because because of the fact that you're not gonna you don't have that much real estate in the screen on the TV screen to, or the. Uh, PC monitor to get out, get across that that facial expression. We kind of have to exaggerate some of the the facial features to mm-hmm. get that across. Even though maybe you know maybe his his mouth isn't that quite wide, we kind of exaggerate just a little bit so you can see it better from a distance. So. Now I want to go back a little bit to to I guess concept. I mean, would would it would you call it concept you know when mm-hmm. you're going when you're when you're starting from the very scratch right you know and you mm-hmm. brought up martok and i gotta say you know jg hertzler is is always very present at conventions and he will yes. often get dressed up and he'll put on the the, the entire yes. regalia so <laughs> yep. but and, and i gotta i gotta give it to you guys because you know you guys captured him really well Oh, thank you. You know, I mean, because, you know, I've had the opportunity of seeing him both at local conventions and then at Vegas, and then he's at karaoke in the full makeup, and it's it's mm-hmm. Martok doing karaoke, so he's doing you know, ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous expressions. But, man, when I played that featured episode with him, 
it, it you know for for it being a video game and again with the limitation on polygon you guys did a fantastic job in, in oh, capturing thank you. Thank you. that essence so congratulations guys and i'm thanks, really looking forward thanks. to to like jordy laforge for instance so i you know going back a little bit to, to that concept that i want to talk about so do you guys uh -huh. like do you guys like print a picture and then trace over it kind of thing first it, it depends on the artist um like George, let's let's. What did you do with uh, oh, well, Jordy? Okay, um, I had to start with, oh, of course, with a lot of reference uh, profile from etc. And and I like to uh, draw draw on top of the uh, photo, okay. because that guide me to see where is going to be the uh, the proportion of the fissures. What going to be the gesture of the maybe the the cheek, the 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 eyes that are really really mm -hmm. important. Nice. So I I I start with a with, with like a base. Um, I I use um, um to sculpt um this this character. I use a base head and then start to put um uh, a little little um like uh, strokes on. Uh, um, flow to, to see if the bone structure is right mm -hmm. and also the of course the, the proportion that is really really important so you um, you kind of draw on top of the photo uh, just to emphasize the things that are most important to you exactly, uh, exactly. Okay. yeah like a lot of people do it that way other people will literally like me i'll just i have a photo of him and i'll be sculpting him in a in a sculpting program and i'll be just looking back and forth between the two the two things so I get I get a vision of of Lavar Burton's face is like like happy then sad and exaggerated <laughs> yeah. and mm -hmm. warp yeah. core breach mm -hmm. face like all over yep. plastered your guys's walls in the yep. in a, an artist alley I'll call it artist alley at Crypto Studios. <laughs> um, that is a common sight. Yes, yes, mm -hmm. I bet. Yeah. I bet. Oh, I will say that um, CBS they do are pretty, they are pretty good about giving us reference. Mm -hmm. So um, my example is when we start when we first launched. Um, the game, uh, CBS gave us this, basically it was a hard drive of just everything that they could think of that we could use. And then when I looked into it, it was like, oh my goodness, like if you were a Star Trek fan, That's you would just be, love. you would go crazy because right. there's pictures in there that you would, like no one, you would never see on the internet. It's just, oh, oh my man. goodness. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's true. yeah. <laughs> That's that's awesome, but but then at the same time, it's not like they scan their heads, right? It's not like no, they don't. That, there's there's certain things no. like let's say, like I had to do a phaser once, and there's no pictures of like like the underside of the phaser. Like mm. what is what is the you know what what does the underside of that phaser look like? And we kind of had to like scour the internet until we found like a toy and right. it showed. I thought it was plain, like there was no features, but apparently there was something there, mm -hmm. and so we just ended up using that as a reference. So, but yeah, stuff like that was weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I bet, I bet. Um, but golly, do I bet I know a bunch of people who would like to get their hands on that hard drive. But, um, <laughs> mm, yeah. So. So you know, let's talk about a little bit of the um, the the actor feedback, right? So you mm -hmm. guys had someone like JG Hertzler there, mm -hmm. and was kind of looking at himself through, yeah. through that screen. What what was that like? What was that like it, for you guys? It's a funny story. He came, when he came uh, to see us, it was it was it was amazing experience uh, meeting him. But I actually spilled my glass of water on my desk, like literally ten seconds after he got to, uh, <laughs> got to my desk. Because I was so nervous, <laughs> but he, he was he was gracious and awesome. Uh, he said he liked he liked what he saw, and uh, nice. he didn't 
he didn't actually say anything bad about it, which is awesome. <laughs> you know what it is? Is that everybody's their own worst critic, right? <laughs> so he's looking at it, of course, with that kind of screw. Like I don't have that many wrinkles, kind of thing. Like I'd be doing the same yeah, thing yeah, if yeah. you guys, you know, put me. You know, if you guys, if I ever had the honor <laughs> of being sculpted into Star Trek Online, you know, there's always that little bit of an eye. But, you know, as as that third person, like I mentioned earlier, and even in the pictures that we're seeing so far of, of LeVar Burton, mm-hmm. um, man, you guys do a killer job at, 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 uh, at recreating these these characters in Star Trek Online. Yeah, um, uh, that's that's a testament to George as well, because that yeah. he, he, he was that was his first really big assignment for us. Martok, and, get uh, out of here, really. Uh, no, uh, 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 Jordy. Jordy, Jordy. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. That's wow, his wow, first, wow. like, he was pretty much fresh from being hired. Yes. And that was, we told him, hey, man, we no like pressure. to test, yeah, we like to test well, people, so here's your first one. <laughs> yeah, so man. So I think he knocked it out apart. He did a great job, so. Yeah, absolutely. Like, Thank you, but, but I have to say that he's not, um, I mean, Behind the the skull of of Jordi, um, this model is also a lot of feedback of all the team of, mm-hmm. of um, the artists in, in Crypto. So yeah. it's not just my vision there; it's all the all the team. Yeah. Uh, also, when he did that, I took a two week vacation. <laughs> oh my goodness! So wow. he, had, he was kind of on his own for a while. So even wow. even more testament that he. Did a great job, so. <laughs> yeah, congratulations, Jorge. That's amazing, man. That's amazing. Oh, thank you, thank you. But, 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 but I'm sorry, but again, I, I have a, a really good feedback with jo- Jojin and, and Mike. Oh, yeah, the, the other character people, yeah. Yeah, sure. good, 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 good. That's amazing. That's amazing. So now has LeVar Burton seen his likeness? Has he said anything to you guys yet? Yeah, I, I asked Stephen Rocosa about it, and he told me that LeVar liked it. So and nice. he talked to him at STLV. And Very he had good. no complaints whatsoever. So that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> you know what? Some you know when it comes from the actors that you know are almost sometimes a little bit jaded from their experience in Star mm-hmm. Trek. Like no, no news is sometimes good news, right? You know, <laughs> yeah. what, what really matters is the player base, right? The people who are going to be playing along with the character, and you know, <laughs> like 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 any of the characters that you guys have brought to life before. You know, I'm really excited to to, to work alongside Jordy because of how amazing the likenesses are. I mean, you guys just really bring them back to bring them to life, and 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 Jorge, you know, to be you know to be fresh on the team. You know, um, and, no be, and literally, be, yeah, thrown in the fire, so to speak, thrown in the red matter capacitor. Um, you know, you, that's that's a, a testament to your talent, sir. So, so congratulations. That's great. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah. I was I was really amazing because uh, was by um, I, I thought it was going to give me like you know um, projects, um, simple projects, you know. But was like, oh, like, oh my god! I, I'm going to do this character. Oh my god! It was oh, amazing. Right, and you said in Colombia, you know, you watched the Next Generation, so you had seen this character. Exactly. On, on, you, know, exactly. you grew up with him, right? So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, I, 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 I work in this character. I want to tell to my family, oh my god! I'm going to, but I can't tell anything, you know. No, right? Yeah, they're like, <laughs> yeah, what? So. ¿Qué, qué, qué es este, qué es este <laughs> but yeah you know i know i know all about it i know all about it yeah, so yeah. now you know Jorge, was was um were like portraits something that that you know you found to be your forte as you were as an artist because um, so, so, I, well, I know facial features or drawing a person drawing a face can be 
probably you know a very challenging oh well, artistic yeah. endeavor you know yeah, is that something yeah, yeah. that you you've you've you know focused on or something that you've specialized in uh throughout your career i i try to specialize in in human anatomy um also in portrait but it's really hard i mean uh, yeah. create a human being is really 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 hard uh, um, especially is a celebrity because everyone going to recognize and everyone is going to be critic about you know, what are you doing right uh, but if you create a, a, a real extreme stranger creature or right. alien it's going to be more easy because right. no one going to say hey that's not like uh, alien or uh, just like strange creatures looks like you know? right 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 so. like the Zinkefi. nobody's ever said hey i saw Zinkefi. well cause you never <laughs> exactly. saw Zinkefi on the screen exactly so. yeah, exactly yeah. is is um is having challenges of course this is amazing uh, model of the Zinkefi is uh, is uh really uh hard to do it but for me, uh, personal, um, it's more easy to do that kind of, of creature than a human being. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, for your first uh, for your first project, <laughs> man, congratulations. That's, oh, uh, thank you. Yeah, and I mean, I, I would imagine that even even from the the images that we've seen, have you gone back and like tweaked it to what and what will end up being what players see, or is it, is it pretty much the final product of what we saw like at Vegas? It's pretty much what you saw at Vegas. Yeah. If there's any tweaking, it could be just like, oh, make his shoulders a little bit uh, smaller because this right. jacket doesn't fit. It's a little too tight. Yeah, kind yeah, of a yeah, thing. Yeah, so, yeah. No, but I mean, as it is, I mean, I you know, I remember the reaction uh, in that main stage hall when people saw that uh, <laughs> that LeVar <laughs> Burton would be doing a role and people just reacting wow. so oh, splendidly. Man, yeah, man, I oh. wish you guys were there. I wish you guys were there, guys. Oh, <laughs> just... man, that's that's a satisfaction because I and when I be, begin begin with this project, oh, I have to do it and redo it, redo it because I don't feel it good with the with the actual uh, scope. So right now, now you tell me this, I I like oh my god, that's great. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna dig up the. Uh, I mean, we have the raw audio from the panel. Uh, and we cut out the trailer because it was it was the trailer, right? Like it doesn't mm -hmm. it doesn't suit well for audio. But you hear the reaction in the audience from the, the trailer, so I'll, I'll be sure to send you guys over the raw recording of the of the panel, so at, at least oh, you can hear true. kind of what the reaction was when the trailer came. So, yeah, yeah. Cool, oh, man. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> yeah, people are really excited. So, so uh, you know, now you've got. LeVar Burton, you know, coming up soon in the next few weeks. Uh, what else is on the horizon? What are you guys looking forward to working on if you can divulge anything? I guess this is where I have to be the, the bad guy because the only thing Steve Ramacosa said was you, all you can talk about is LeVar Burton and perhaps the new – we have scans coming. Okay, which, all right. <laughs> uh, if you don't know – I'm sure you know what scans are. Yes, yes, yes. They're male skirts basically, right? Yep. Um, uh, we modeled it after the season one version that you, I'm sure everyone has, has seen. Season one and, of the Next Generation, yep. Yeah, and and George did them. Oh, nice. Um, Another fun project, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you also did the two more besides the Federation. Oh you, yeah. You yeah. let her let them know what you did. Uh, for um for uh, the Klingons and for the Romulan, right? Yeah. yeah. 
So even though you never saw Klingon and Romulan scans, we're going to give players get, their version. Get yeah, out of here. Yeah, everyone deserves it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we, don't, we don't want to leave them out of the scant glory. Fascinating. So. <laughs> Fascinating. You know what? The, fu the, funny, the funny thing about this is that we had to make Klingon male bare legs. Because right. Oh, it wasn't right. a thing before. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> and we... it looks really, really sexy. <laughs> oh, nice. Have we ever seen the Klingon male legs before? I don't know that we ever have. I mean, maybe maybe you saw it when they wore swimsuits, but not like this, I guess, right? Right. Yeah, yeah that's fascinating, guys. That's awesome. <laughs> well, that, that's fun. You know, again, you can have a little bit of fun while also working on, on, uh, on continuing the yep. story for Star Trek Online. So that's amazing. Well, gentlemen, um, you know, I, I, it's been a real pleasure. I'm glad that we had the opportunity Thanks. of talking. Jorge, congratulations. He, 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 uh, you know, it's great to have you on, 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 on the team, and you did fantastic work on LeVar Burton. Uh, bueno, yep. que, que, pase, que pase bien ahí en Cryptic Studios y sigue el, sigue el trabajo que estás haciendo porque lo estás haciendo de lo más bien. <laughs> Muchísimas gracias, y déjame decirte que esto es de oro y eh, no me cambio por nadie en este momento. Es increíble. Ah, me alegro, me alegro, me alegro oírlo. Well, gentlemen. Ah, como que no, como siempre. It, you're always welcome. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Until next time. All right. Okay. Thank you. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Once again, a very big thanks to Ian Castaneda and Jorge Castillo for talking about bringing Jordy to life in Star Trek Online. Now, we're at the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Episode 332's community question was, What's your favorite replicated item in Star Trek? Or something that should have been replicated and wasn't? From Facebook, Mike Lundell said, The guitar that Data replicates for LQ Sonny Clemens in the TNG episode Neutral Zone is by far my favorite replicated item. What's ours? You know what? Actually... I know, I know, I know what, I know what mine is. So last night I watched, oh, it's the one where, I, so I fall asleep to TNG usually. I have, the, I have that playing in the background. It depends on the mood. It could be TNG, it could be Enterprise, one or the other. And it was the episode where Waxana comes on and she's, she's engaged to the weird guy who, who has the assistant who won't let her do anything. And so she spends the entire episode with, uh, Alexander. Alexander Rojanko, right? So in the mud bath, and she, and so they're in the mud bath. But she orders, she wants, tea, she wants some kind of beta Z tea, and what comes out is sausage in the teacup. So it's like these four sausages in the teacup, and then she. But but here's the thing. Here's what was funny about it, is that Majel takes out the sausages and then sips whatever the little fluid is, a little liquid in the cup. Like, talk about commitment, man. Majel was committed, man. Good for her. Obviously, my favorite replicated item would be Feline Nutritional Supplement 47. For Spot. Beer. Why would you want to replicate beer? Oh, you put it in... Because then I don't have to buy it. Big casks, and you store it down level 42. Down where it's cold. Exposed to the absolute zero of space. Keep it nice and chilled. From PartyOnePodcast.com, Chiyu Yumiku says, Amazing episode, so my favorite item I would have loved to see replicated would be 
Klingon forehead ridges. Seriously, that's how they got their head ridges. Imagine a massive replicator with Klingons coming out head first like it was a printer. Making those old school scroll paper printer noises too is replicated. Uh, also from PriorityOnePodcast.com, Sean Newboy says, I never understood the no alcohol thing. You and me both, I do. Sean Newboy. We can't even get through an episode after we've had a few too many. And you want people to run a starship? The thing ran itself. They're not on duty. I'm a little bit confused. I just, what no like, alcohol thing? Everybody had to have synthahol. Because be, they can't replicate. Yeah, it's, it's all synthahol. And also, like, it's not... It's not just officers and things on board. It's their families, too. So you're saying, like, if you're the wife of a guy who works in a starship, like, you can't have a glass of wine. Well, the replicators can replicate alcohol. Do you remember? No. I don't think they can. Yes, they can. Do you remember the one where they came across the colony and the... TNG or the original series? TNG. What? There's no replicators in the original Yeah, and you know one half of the colony is all Irish and drinking and your man's like oh that was alcohol that wharf replicated remember steam started coming out of his ears okay so may- maybe it's allowed maybe it can do it's just not allowed this might have been one of the things that the writers like hated the replicator for because like in that episode it was fine and then in every other episode they had like no yeah that, that might have been one thing that, that- Let's be real here. The Irish would have hijacked that and been like, nah, we're <laughs> real alcohol, real hack, hack the replicator. There would have, there would have been a still. There would have been a still. The the ingenuity would have would have kicked in and boom. All right, we digress. Tyler Maxwell wrote in. I see the issue with the replicators is that the rules on what and what can't be made with them are so nebulous and change dramatically depending on the plot of the week. Example, oh, we can replicate any medicine that we need, except for the one drug made from the unreplicatable plant that only grows on the one planet that we happen to be visiting right now, Captain. I I never understood why stuff was, like, not replicatable. Like plants or dilithium crystals. I believe he's referring to um, Code of Honor, isn't he? No, but what... I think the point is, though, is that, yeah, like, why can't dilithium, like, it, it's dependent on the plot of the week. So that, so that, like you just mentioned earlier, there was an episode where the replicators actually replicated actual alcohol. So, and then there's another episode where, well, we need medicine, but the replicators can't make it because we don't have a plant, or, I don't know, does, does everything, I, again, it's a plot, it was, it was a deus ex machina. My understanding of the replicator was that it had to have the whatever building blocks or you know the, the code put into it because we've heard the replicator like the saying, blueprint. yeah, exactly the the blueprint. We've heard the replicator saying that it can't replicate an item. Please provide specifications. So if they didn't have the the medicine first to program into the replicator, then they, they can't do it. They still have to buy it from whoever. It's like a crafting system. It's got to be gem slotted. Yeah, uh, sure. I mean, and if if they'd sat down and written some rules like saying, look, we don't, we, in our tanks that we take, that we make the replicator stuff out of, we don't have every, infinite amounts of every single element, right? We don't have 
you know, 800,000 pounds of selenium and 400,000 pounds of, you know, ryobium or whatever the hell they want to have in there. They, we only have carbon, oxygen, hydrogen, and trace amounts of this other stuff. If you can't build it with what's in the tanks, you can't build it. And so, I mean, that, something like that could have gone a long way to saying, sorry, Captain, that particular item, tool, plant, dilithium crystal, whatever it is, requires a lot more of this rare element that we just don't have in the tanks. That may be true. But but AJ Biega points out that this is the same issue with the holodeck. It's like one minute you can walk out of the holodeck, but you're still wet, but yet the holodeck is not a replicator. How is it that you're wet walking out of the holodeck? Right? And like, could they could they make like, could they make that drug in the holodeck? But you can't take it outside. Right, you can't take That's it outside. That's a bit of a stretch. Disintegrate in your hand. I'm telling. Yeah. I, so it, if you take it, then you'd go back back outside, and you'd still yeah. be safe. And again, the the conceit was there. They were force fields that replicated matter, but not actual matter. But if it was something simple like water, it would probably be a lot easier to just beam a gallon of water into the thing and dump it on you, rather than simulate wetness somehow. Yeah. I, it it's it's a matter of people thinking that this would be a cool technology, and then but really because it's just TV, you really don't have to make that work in real life. You don't have to think about it too much. If it works for the show, no. than, and it's probably best if you don't. Yeah. If, if, if you have to, if you have to walk out of there wet because it's funny, eh, sure, why not? From Twitter, Sonic Skyrat wrote in, Great work, guys. A great episode. As for the community question, I have to go with tomato soup. Hot, plain tomato soup, even if they don't get it right. Yeah, that was, uh... Oh, that, what episode was that one? That was somebody yelling at the replica. Voyager. Yeah, yep. Voyager and Tom Paris. And this week's Title It Tuesday winner is Hippie John. Quote, And in this scene, we find out if Nick's rocket boots are strong enough to carry he and the P1 team to safety. Damn that cyborg! You see, the picture is Nick in his custom-made Spock helmet. Now... Yes, Spock had a helmet. In the 70s. For kids. For kids. Yeah. And it was literally just a helmet with a siren light. Like, think, <laughs> think Dragnet. Yeah, 1950s think cop Dragnet car. light yeah. on the top. And Nick custom made this from scratch for, uh, for Star Trek Las Vegas. So congrats to Hippie John. Hey, Hippie John, I got um, Vegemite from someone at the podcast movement. I can't wait to try it. Yes, you can. You can wait to try it. You can wait a long time. Number one, because it's not that good, and number two, because it will outlast the cockroaches if nuclear war comes. You can you can wait as long as you need. Nasty. Wait till I tell you what they make it from. Well, that wraps up episode 333 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. For more great podcasts like Mission Log and Women at Warp, go to podcasts.roddenberry.com. But we can't end the show without thanking our very special Patreon supporters, like Navy Bolt Slew, David S., Lee Malian, and Admiral. Before we leave you for the week, here's a reminder of what our community question is. If you were on the fence for CBS All Access, would the cliffhanger ending get you to purchase it? Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or tweet us via at PriorityOnePod. Don't miss a thing from the world of Star Trek. Catch our episodes every Monday by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.PriorityOnePodcast.com. Now remember we're going to be changing servers, so double check that spelling, feeds.PriorityOnePodcast.com, all spelled out. 
You can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Thursday nights at around 11 p.m. Eastern. Keep an eye on our social media channels for details. And if that wasn't enough, you can join us in Star Trek Online in the Priority One Armada. If you're interested, just head over to PriorityOneArmada.com and sign up today. And don't forget that every Saturday night, the Armada takes to our Twitch channel for some in-depth playthroughs of Star Trek Online. Follow us on twitch.tv forward slash Priority One. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at Patreon.com forward slash Priority One. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency Podcast at GuardFrequency.com, covering the world of space sims including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, and many more. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice. Thanks to our audio team, led by Michael McDonald, with assistance from Brandon Parker and Jake Morgan, with support from Midnight Shadow 7 of Hollow Sweet Media. And again, a big thanks to Jake Morgan for spearheading all of our social media endeavors, especially those Title It Tuesdays and Awesome Survey Sundays. Thanks to our graphic artist and web designer, Henry Pomper. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Thanks to Patreon associate producer, Navy Boatslew. Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage. This is Elijah, Trek It Out, Sync 1. This is Kenna, Trek It Out, Sync 2. I forgot where I was for a second. Yes, you are Kenna, but I'm Tony, <laughs> Sync 3. This is Winters, Trek It Out, Sync 4. I'm in the minority. Me too. I am. Okay. Well, deal with it. Why are we whispering? I don't know, but it says whispers in the show notes. Oh, right. Anywho... Star Trek always seems to have like no. Oh God, really? <laughs> yes, really. really. I'm really. gonna keep doing you, you that. Had to, you had to take yes. it that way. Okay. You had to. You had to. You yeah. had to kill the I joke did, that I way. To murder it. Beat it with a horse. <laughs> beat it with that with that dead horse that's right beat next it to it with a horse. <laughs> I, I picked that, up the dead, dead horse. horse and beat the joke until <laughs> <laughs> it was as dead as the horse. I would like to interrupt here for a second. That too many viewers sounds very familiar. I mean, I don't even know where they got that number, but it's pretty much what I said. Can you it? deliver that without slurring <laughs> as if though you were? No, I'm swinging half a box of wine right now. <laughs> that was the entire... a dead horse named LBJ. <laughs> that was the point. Holy, holy crap. <laughs> I'll tell you what I've got to do for you, mister. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I'm going to run your... <laughs> Run your accounting department for you. Mm. <laughs>
<laughs> Alright, sit down, I got, I got something to say. This is Elijah, Feedback Sync 1. This is Kenna, Feedback Sync 2. This is Tony, Feedback Set Down 3. <laughs> this is Winter's, <laughs> Feedback Sync 4. <laughs> feedback. You're welcome. In that was for you. 3. <laughs> 2.